I, I really felt coming here uh, for this weekend that, that I was a bit like a postman. And uh, when I was growing up, there was a show, Postman Pat. Any of you ever heard it around the world? He was a global celebrity, Postman Pat. And, and I feel a bit like Postman Pat this morning. Um, because I feel that, that God has a personalized letter addressed to every single person here this morning. And all I am, I'm, I'm just the postman. So what I'm going to ask us to do is I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, if you wouldn't mind. And I'm going to ask you just to, just to quiet your thinking. And I want you to, to focus on this incredible God who absolutely loves you. He loves you beyond measure. He knows your name. And this morning, He is calling out your name. I feel this morning that there are people here and you are searching. You're searching for truth. You're searching for purpose. And Father God is calling your name. Father, I thank you that we get to enjoy your presence. Holy Spirit, we we acknowledge that you're here right now. That you're moving. I I feel there are people that, that you're... You are in need of a breakthrough. You are in need of a miracle this morning. And God is saying, I will be your miracle worker. I feel that there are people here this morning, even business folk here this morning, businessmen, businesswomen, that are needing mountains to be removed. And I feel God saying, look to me, not to the mountain." I feel their mothers here. You, you, you're crying out for your, your children. You're crying out for your children. And I feel God is saying, I'm the God of life. So Lord, we just we acknowledge your presence here. We thank you that we can come and that we can worship you. And I pray, God, that, that you would allow me to deliver your message of love to your people this morning. Let our focus be on you, Lord Jesus. You're worthy. We love you, Lord. Amen. I just got bumped up here. Thank you. So um, I, had to, I had to get a sermon title for this morning. And so I've gone with uh, laying hold of my prize. Would you mind saying my prize? Okay, I'm going to try that one more time. Would you mind saying my prize? This is going to be a bit interactive if that's okay. So I want to start off this morning with a scripture, and the scripture is going to come up behind me. It's from 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24, and the Apostle Paul is writing a letter inspired by the Holy Spirit to the church in Corinth. And he says this, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Every single person here, God has a prize earmarked for you. And what I want to do this morning is I want to give you uh, some ideas, some thoughts around how you can pursue the prize God has got specifically for you. God has got a prize for Rom. God has got a prize for Grant. God has got a prize for Liesel. God has got a prize for Anna. He has got a prize specific for each individual here this morning. But there's an important journey that he wants to take us through. And if you read on a couple of 
uh, scriptures after this scripture, Paul starts reminding the church in Corinth about their ancestors. And in chapter 10, he says, your ancestors were going on a journey. God delivered them from Egypt. Now, now for those of you who don't know, there's this incredible story of the Israelites being captive in Egypt for like 400 years. And God sends a guy calls, called Moses and, and he raises him up and he miraculously delivers this generation from an oppressor. And, and Paul goes on to describe what happens. So, so they get to this, this sea. There's this huge sea and, and Pharaoh and his, and his chariots and armies are pursuing the Israelites because he let them go. And then after he, he let them go, he's like, oh, I should never have let them go. Who are going to build my pyramids and, you know, all that cool stuff. So, so he sends his armies back out after them and they get to this, this sea and they're trapped. And Paul says, remember your ancestors. God opened up the sea and they walked through on dry ground. And he killed the pursuing armies that were after them. And then he says, and he took them into the wilderness. And there he covered them by a cloud. So there was a supernatural encounter where God literally created this huge cloud. And wherever the cloud moved, this nation of Israelites probably about 2 million people, they they would move with this cloud and and they were protected from the harsh elements. And then he says, and remember the heavenly manna. So so this is like absolutely amazing. Every morning there there would be manna, which was like bread that would lie on the ground and people would go and and pick it up and it would sustain them. And he said, and there would be heavenly uh, heavenly quail and and, and there was this, this supernatural provision of meat. And then he says, and remember you walked through the desert and, and from a rock gushed out water. I mean, this is, it's not a fountain, you know, like by the Burj Khalifa and there's that, you know, jet shooting water. It wasn't like that. This was like a legitimate real rock and water started coming out of the rock. So, so can you imagine, he's saying, remember your forefathers experienced all of these incredible miracles, incredible. But then he says, But God was not pleased with them, and their bodies scattered the wilderness. And it goes on in uh, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 6, and it says, Now all of these things serve as types and pictures for us, lessons that teach us not to fall away in the same way. So what happened was God wanted to deliver the Israelites out of captivity, out of Egypt, into this promised land. A a land that he had promised their forefathers, he had promised their ancestors. But when they got to the promised land, fear gripped their hearts and they weren't able to enter into the promised land. So what I want to do this morning is I want to learn a couple of lessons from this story. If you actually look in the Bible, the title of that passage is Learning from Israel's Failures. So I want to learn from Israel's failure. So there are three lessons that I want to leave with you this morning. And the first lesson is this. There is a gift of eternity and a prize of destiny. You see, in the Israelites' journey, they had to cross two bodies of waters. Firstly, they had to cross the Red Sea. And and, and what happened, like I described, they got to the Red Sea. Their pursuers were behind them and and the sea was there. They, they, They couldn't cross it. And what happens, God tells Moses to stretch out his staff. And as he stretches out his staff, this wind comes up and it blows through the entire evening. And what the Word of God says is the wind separated the waters, an ocean, a sea, and the people walked through on dry ground. 
Who, who of you would dig to have been there? That, that, that must have been pretty cool. You see, and that, that first opening of the Red Sea, that represented salvation. That was a people being saved from bondage and being set free. You see, there is a gift of eternity where God saves us. He takes us out of an oppressive place of bondage where we are slaves and He makes a way, an impossible way. He makes that way. And I feel that there are people here this morning and you're facing an impossible situation and God is saying, I will make a way if you call out to me. You see, the people of Israel first had to move out of slavery, out of bondage into freedom. And the interesting thing was God did everything. He was the one that told Moses to stretch out his staff. And as he did, the wind started blowing. Maybe you here this morning and the wind is blowing in your life. It is knocking you around and it is dark. Can I suggest that God is about to open the sea for you? The sea of the impossible, God is about to open because he loves you. And he wants to set you free. So the people of God walk through on dry ground, through the ocean. And, and you know what happens is God removes a, a pillar of fire that was stopping the, the Egyptians from pursuing them. He removes the spirit of, uh, the, the, this, this pillar of fire and they start pursuing the Israelites again. And it says that you could hear the sounds of the chariot, the sounds of the horses, the sounds of the army. And as they get into the sea, you know what God does? He swallows them up. And he kills them. And I feel that there are people here that you've given your life to the Lord. You've called out to him. You've experienced salvation. But the sound of your past is still pursuing you. And God wants to drown out the sound of your past this morning because he has got an inheritance for you. You see, the gift of salvation is exactly that. It's a gift. But then there was a second body of water that they had to cross. And that was the Jordan River. So, so they moved through the Red Sea, a supernatural miracle by God. Then they pass through the wilderness and they get to a Jordan River. And God says, on the other side is your inheritance. This is your destiny. This is what I've prepared for you. It's something that you are going to be able to thrive in. It's something where you will be blessed. And the Bible calls it a land of milk and honey. And that's become a truism in our day where, where if someone says it's, it's like the land of milk and honey, you know it's good. But when they stepped or crossed into the Jordan River, God didn't just speak and the river opened. You know what they had to do? They had to first step into the water. They had to take the first steps. So there's two things. There's a gift of eternity, but there's a prize of destiny. The prize of destiny requires your obedience. All that the gift of eternity requires is that you call out to the Lord. You see, there's a, a scripture in Romans 10 verse 13, and it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who? Thank you for those seven people. <laughs> everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who? Everyone. You see, friends, if you call on the name of the Lord, something gets set in motion where he does a miracle to give you a gift of salvation. And, and I heard a, a gentleman by the name of George Giorgio give an illustration which I absolutely love. And he said there are two doors that we need to pass through on our spiritual journey. The first is a door of eternity. The second is a door of destiny. Jesus Christ and Him alone can open the door of eternity. 
And he does so when we call out to him. When we call out to him and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. I need you to save me. I, I invite you to be Lord. I, I want to be new. He opens the door of eternity. And we walk through and our salvation is secure. But then there's a door of destiny. And the decisions we make either open or close the door of destiny. You see, here's the thing, and, and, and you need to understand this. This is the lesson that I need you to learn. Your salvation is secure. Too often as Christians, we write people off because of their behavior. Your behavior cannot get you into heaven. Only calling to Jesus can get you into heaven. Guys, we, we, we've, got to, we've got to get this. And, and I feel that there are people here, you need to hear this. You see, when Jesus opens the door, he stands in the doorway and he makes sure that that door of salvation, the door of eternity will never close for you once you've called on his name. I think we are going to be shocked one day to see the people that we meet in heaven. Because we are so good at judging people, whereas only God knows whether they've called out to him. Or not. There is nothing that can qualify you to go to heaven except calling on the name of Jesus. He does the work and he keeps the door open. But the door of destiny, we open and close by our decisions. We open and close the door of destiny by our decisions. That is the prize that I want to talk about today. Eternity is secure. Once you have called on Jesus, he stands in that door of eternity and he keeps it open for you. Because no work we do can qualify us. Because the Bible says if we were saved by our good works, we would end up boasting about our good works. But what is in our hands is the door of destiny. That is the prize that is not given. It is a prize that is earned. So I want to encourage you this morning. If you haven't crossed over that sea of salvation Today is the day where you get to call out. And I really feel, I feel there are people here. It's like night in your life and the wind is blowing. And God is saying, you're here for a reason. Perhaps a friend invited you. Perhaps a family member invited you. Do you know that the angels in heaven are waiting for you to call out to Jesus today? The whole of heaven is going to stop. And there's going to be a celebration when you call out to Jesus because the door of eternity is going to be open for you. But you see, the journey didn't stop there. The journey continued. The lesson, too, that I want to leave with you is God's plan is not just to rescue us from bondage, but to lead us into the promised land. And the key to laying hold of the prize of destiny is not to get stuck in the wilderness. You see, the people of Israel left Egypt through the Red Sea, this miraculous intervention by God, but then they got stuck in the wilderness. And instead of passing through the wilderness into the promised land, they were held back in the wilderness. Friends, God wants to leave you not in the wilderness. He wants to lead you into the promised land. I think too many Christians today keep fighting for their salvation where they should actually be fighting for their inheritance. If you're constantly fighting for your salvation, am I, am I saved? Am I going to heaven? Am I good enough? It takes your eyes off of what God has prepared for you, which is your inheritance. 
I feel the Lord wanting to stir your hearts this morning to start fighting for the prize of the destiny that He has for you this morning. Every single one of you has a promised land. Every single one of you has an inheritance that God is calling you to. So I want to very quickly just share with you five things that stopped the people from leaving the wilderness. And if you look in 1 Corinthians 10, it makes reference to some of these things. And if you go into the Old Testament, you'll see how the people were held back by different things. The first thing that keeps us in the wilderness is when we engage in idolatry instead of worship. Now, idolatry in in the Bible times was when you made little figures of other gods out of you know wood and stone and precious metals and you would worship it. Now, that still happens to some extent in our current environment, but idolatry is, is where God is not the deepest desire of your heart. Where anything other than God is the deepest desire of your heart, what you will find is your affections are directed elsewhere. And if your, uh, if your affections are not directed to God, you won't die, you'll still live. All that happens is you get disconnected from your destiny. You see, your affections, when they are aligned to God, when they are looking to God, when you, when you are devoted to worship Him, something happens where God starts leading you out of the wilderness into your promised land. Now, the wilderness was not a place that was void of God. In fact, the wilderness was a place where God continually did miracles. Every day, the people of Israel experienced the miracles of God. So wilderness doesn't mean God is far from you. A wilderness just means you haven't yet entered into the promised land that God has for you. The second thing that kept the people in the wilderness was sexual immorality instead of purity. This is such a hot topic in the world that we live in. But friends, I've got to tell you, God is a holy God. And you should never do something or not do something because of what people say. But you should do something or not do something because of obedience to God. It's interesting that in the Bible, in that 1 Corinthians 10 text, it says God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're over, able to overcome. And that word tempted is the same Greek word for testing. So every time a temptation comes, God, God is wanting to test you because it's in the testing that you're strengthened. It's in the testing that you develop character. I really feel that there are people here this morning, God wants to set free from a guilt. You see, the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And sometimes as the church, we, we make much of this, of this sin of sexual immorality. But, but the sin of sexual immorality is a sin like any other sin. And all we need to realize is if we continue in that place of sin, it is going to keep us in the wilderness. We, we can still experience God's presence. We can, we can still experience His goodness. We can still you know, experience His miracles. But it's going to keep you from possessing your prize, which is your promised land. It's going to keep you from possessing that prize. I want to encourage you. Let's, let's stop getting stuck in the wilderness of just surviving 
And let's start to position ourselves to take hold of the prize that God has specifically for you. There is a a portion of inheritance that is only for you. The Israelites split up the promised land into every tribe, every family, every person. And that inheritance remained with that family. And I, I want to I encourage you, there is an inheritance that is for you and you alone. No one else can occupy that inheritance but you. But God is waiting for you to leave the wilderness. The third thing that kept the people in the wilderness was grumbling instead of gratefulness. I only want to say one thing here. Gratefulness is not only a feeling, it is an act of your will. You see, every day you get to choose to see things through the lens of, oh my goodness, not again. You know, coming from South Africa, we are well practiced in this art of gratefulness, not grumbling. Because if you look at our economy, our economy is in recession. If you look at our environment, it is crime upon crime upon crime. There is corruption and greed to the highest levels of leadership in the country. And if you focus on those things, you can very quickly find yourself grumbling. But you know what kept the people in the wilderness? It was their grumbling. After God miraculously providing food and water and shade, and even their clothes didn't tarnish, their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years. And yet they grumbled. I mean, that, that would be really bad for the Mall of Emirates or Dubai Mall if shoes lasted 40 years. Can you imagine? It's like you get shoes once, once you, you hit that age where your feet stop growing, you just get one pair of shoes and that's it. Bad for business. But God is calling us to be grateful and not to grumble. The fourth thing that kept the Israelites in the wilderness was fearing instead of trusting. You see, when they got to the promised land, they looked at the giants in the land and they started moaning. They said, Moses, have you led us out here? Has God led us out here just to be killed? We would rather go back to Egypt. You see, there's something that takes place When you lift your eyes and you put your trust in God, you start believing the promise over the persecutor. I feel that there are people here this morning, you're facing big opposition. Big opposition. And God is saying, if you trust in me, you will see the giants slain. But you need to choose to trust in me. You see, prayer trumps worry every single day. If you are worrying, friends, can I suggest you should be praying? Because something happens when you start praying. I was with some, some people in City Lights yesterday morning. And we were around the breakfast table. And they were talking just about how, how things are, are quite tough. And so we said, you, you know what? Let's start praying right now. So there, midway through some you know, breakfast, we, we stood up and we started walking around the breakfast table. And we started praying. We, and we started calling out to God. And we started to declare His freedom. And it was amazing. The presence of God came and started ministering to all of us. We started weeping under the presence of God. Uh, 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 One of the people there sent a message to Dan and Starla. They said, I have never felt the presence of God like I felt in that moment. In my kitchen eating breakfast. Why? Because they turned from worrying to praying. Friends, prayer is an absolute 
weapon. The fifth thing that kept them there was complaining instead of honoring. A group of people came and they started complaining against Moses. And they started saying, who put you in charge of us? Go read their account. It's quite interesting. Moses said, okay, that's cool. Let's go before God and let him decide. And to cut a long story short, the earth came, opened up, swallowed the guys that were opposing him and closed again. I mean, there's some stuff that went down in the Old Testament. Can you imagine? Like a guy's opposing you and you're like, you know what? I'm not going to fight you. I'm just going to stand back because there's going to be a sinkhole around about now. Boom. And he's gone. It's like, Jesus and me, we're tight. We're tight. But there was this thing where they were constantly complaining against the leadership instead of honoring. Friends, offense is cheap. In fact, it's free. But maturity costs something. And when you choose to honor, you are choosing to be mature. You are choosing to place things in God's hands. Offense will keep you from the promised land. So I want to encourage you. Your daily decisions are going to walk you into that prize of destiny or they're going to keep closing the door on you. And here's the amazing thing. One, one decision can change your destiny. Now that may be scary for some of you, but, but for me it's amazing because I believe people are going to start making that decision this morning. One decision changes your destiny and it leads to another and another and another. And before you know it, you start walking into the prize of the destiny that God has for you. There's a quote by Winston Churchill, which I absolutely love. It was in the Second World War. And he says, by the decisions we are making, I'm convinced that we do not want to win this war. I feel that there are some people here, and and when you look at your life, you'll be able to stand back and objectively say, by the decisions that I'm making, I'm convinced that I do not want to walk into my destiny. Because you know the Holy Spirit is stirring things on your heart. The Holy Spirit is prompting you. The the Lord is revealing just that next step to you. And and you're like, Lord, how is that next step going to change anything? And he's like, well, you won't know until you make it. The people of Israel were standing at the Jordan River. And they were like, okay, God, open the river. Like you did with the sea, just open the river. And they kept standing. God's like, no, just, just take a step into the river. And they're like... Where's the staff, the, the mighty staff from the sea? Put the staff out over the river. And they, you know, nothing's happening. God's like, it's simple. I just said step into the river. No, God, but last time you just blew a wind and it opened the river. And he's like, just step into the river. And as they stepped into the river, the river opened. But it required their obedience. You see, when God saves you, All he asks is for you to cry out because he loves you. And and he knows that when you're in bondage, it's so hard to even take one step. He says, "Leave, leave it all to me. Just cry out. But when you set free, he says, you need to start maturing. You need to start listening to my voice. You need to start stepping out into what I've called you to. I'm not going to do it all for you any longer because otherwise... You're not going to mature. You're not going to grow. You're not going to be fighting fit. Friends, it just takes one decision, one step, one step into that thing that is keeping you from your destiny. And you will see God start opening up a way. The last lesson I want to leave with you 
is this. Your promised land is less about gaining something and more about being someone. You see, we we live in a consumeristic world. And often when we think about a promised land, we just think about God's blessings and, you know, possessions and, you know, favor and uh, all of this good stuff. And that is good stuff. It's good stuff. But it's not the purpose. There's this incredible account in Exodus 33. And and I love that the Lord can get fed up sometimes. You know, I feel normal. And, And he says, I am fed up with these Israelites. He says, they are a stubborn, rebellious people. And actually, if I go with them into the promised land, I'm probably going to kill them. Have any of you ever had those meetings? Where you're like, Jesus, help me. If I open my mouth now, I'm going to kill someone with my words. God was like that with Moses. He was like, these stubborn, rebellious people, I can't go with them into the promised land. But what I'll do, I will send an angel. Because I've told you I'm going to give you the land. I told you. So I'm going to send an angel before you. The angel will drive out all the people in the land and you can enjoy your promised land. And you know what Moses says? I can imagine him getting on his knees and saying, God, please God, I don't want an angel. I don't want the possessions. I don't want the big house. I don't want the fancy job. God, I want you. Because if you don't go with us, how will we be distinguished from everyone else? And he cried out to God. And the people of Israel repented. And God said, I'll go with you. You see, friends, so often we get caught up in the blessings of God instead of God himself. You see, the promised land is not about doing something for God. It's about doing something with God. There is no greater prize than a destiny where God is with you. You see, it changes everything. How are you different because of the presence of God? Your destiny, your prize, is unlocked by enjoying the presence of God. Things change You move from survival mode to readiness mode when you know that you're carrying the presence of God. When you walk into a boardroom, how far can I go before this thing starts screaming at me? When you walk into a boardroom and you know I'm carrying the presence of God, you'll go to people and you know, ooh, it's getting hot in the seats now because the presence of God is here. You see, because the presence of God changes things. The presence of God heals people. The presence of God delivers people who are oppressed. The presence of God is the prize that unlocks our destinies. I feel that there are people here this morning and you're, you're suffering with depression. And, and you think depression is just, it's a state. I just need tablets. I'm saying if the presence of God comes into your life, even today, that depression is going to leave. That depression right now, in Jesus' name, I command you to leave because the presence of God is here. I heard a testimony just a couple of weeks ago from a lady that I would never have said suffers from depression. And, and, and she came and she asked some friends to pray for her. She had this crippling fear, crippling fear. And as they prayed for her, in an instant she was delivered. 
And I felt to share that right now because God is wanting to deliver people from this gripping fear, this gripping depression. And he's saying, my presence will drive that thing from your life. Thank you, Jesus. It's a calling on you, my mate. It's a calling on you. There's a river you're facing right now and God is saying, I will part the river. I'll part the river. He's called you to this place. You've got questions about going and leaving and having to make different arrangements. God is saying, I've called you for where you are right now. Trust in me. You see, something happens when we carry the presence of God. Instead of seeing the giants as a challenge, we start to see the giants as an opportunity. When you see giants, giants are the doorkeepers of your destiny. Because God knows that as you fight giants, you're going to be strengthened and you'll be able to bring him glory. Are you feeling encouraged this morning? I want to ask you, what is your prize? What is the thing that you are pursuing? Because friends, anything other than the prize of the presence of God is not going to be worth it at the end of the day. I'm going to ask the, the musos to come back up onto the stage. And um, I really feel that the, that the Lord wants to touch people this morning. I'm a postman. And I'm actually quite a bad postman because I forget things. I forgot my passport at the airport on Wednesday night. I had to go back there. And fortunately, you guys have got an incredibly ethical airport. And they had, my, they had my passport. I'm a terrible postman. But I know God. And He's an amazing God. And I feel that, that He wants to touch people this morning. He wants to set people free. But, but He's asking for you to stir an anticipation in your hearts. An anticipation. I feel there, there's some specific people that God wants to to minister to today. Friends, before I get there, I once heard someone said, a revelation from God is like a hand grenade that goes off and the shrapnel gets stuck in our heart. I really pray that this morning something has just dropped in your heart. Something has exploded inside of you. And I pray that there would be shrapnel that is lodged in your heart that you would not be able to get rid of. Because God has a prize for every single person here this morning. I saw a picture for someone here this morning. And it was a pedestrian crossing. I was out this morning just walking around the the area I'm staying and just enjoying the Lord, praying. And I saw this pedestrian crossing and and I felt there's someone here and you've been walking on the left-hand side of the road and and you know, you know you need to be on the right-hand side of the road. But it's just this traffic, this consistent flow of traffic and obstacles and busyness and distraction. And and you know you want to be there, but, but there's been no opportunity. And I saw the Lord coming and just laying this pedestrian crossing for you. And, and the amazing thing about a pedestrian crossing here in Dubai is cars actually stop. Like, I, I was walking with Ryan, and he was pushing Emma yesterday, just coming back from a swimming pool, and, and these cars were speeding. I, I think they were racing. Like, in Dubai, most cars race. And, and they were racing down the road, 
And I was just like, oh, this is going to be hectic. Who's going to win? And Ryan just goes, boom, into the pedestrian crossing with a little Emma. And the car's like, Arr! like screeching halt. And he's like, thank you. He just walks across. I'm like, dude, you put your, your daughter's life in these driver's hands. But, but there's something about authority. And I feel God is saying he is putting a way in your life where his authority will stop those things that are stopping you from crossing over. Today, God is making a way because of his authority. Lauren is like nailing Ryan. Why didn't you tell me the story? <laughs> Hang out with me. I'll tell you plenty. So, so I want to I pray for you because Jesus, he, he wants to... He wants to touch you. Then, then I felt that there, that there are people here this morning and you're suffering with severe headaches. And, and it's, not di- it's not a dietary condition. It's not because you're like drinking too much coffee. That's, no. That's, but it's severe headaches that you're struggling with. And I, I just felt the Lord saying that, that He is going to destroy an oppressive spirit of anxiety. And He is going to set you free from these headaches. He's going to set you free from these headaches. And then I felt that there's, there's someone else here. And I literally got one word, grandmother. And I just feel perhaps there's someone trusting for healing for their grandmother. Perhaps there's someone trusting for salvation for their grandmother. All I got was one word, grandmother. But I felt God saying that you have been calling out to me. And I wanted to show you this morning that I hear you, that I know you, that I'm real. But I also feel that God wants to touch every single person here this morning. Every person. These, these are specifics that God wanted to highlight for a purpose. But I want to invite you to stand with me. I want to ask, can we play the miracle song? Is that, is that cool? Thanks, Robin. But I want to ask, if you, if you are hungry for a touch from God, Perhaps you're at that, that ocean and you're saying, God, you, you've been stirring my heart. And this was the message that I needed to hear this morning because I want to call out to you and I want to give my life to you and I want to ask you to, to be my Savior and Lord. If that's you this morning, I want to ask that you pray a prayer with me. Is there anyone like that this morning? You, you want to commit your life to Jesus. You want to say, God, like open this ocean that I've been struggling with. Open that door to eternity. I want to I wanna know you. I want to spend eternity with you. Is there anyone like that this morning? Praise Jesus. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. That's wonderful. Best decision of your life. Do you know that right now that heaven has come to a complete standstill and the angels are celebrating this decision that you just made right now? Because for eternity, your life has been changed. Eternity. I'm going to ask you to pray a very simple prayer with me. That's cool. Just say, Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. I thank you that I'm saved by your blood and that you have opened the door of eternity for me this morning. I accept you as my Savior and as my Lord. And I declare I'm a new creation. Amen. I feel
feel that there are people here this morning and, and, and you know that you're still hanging around in the desert. You're hanging around in the wilderness. It's not that guy is far from you. His miracles are still there. You still know his goodness, but you know that there is an inheritance, a prize of destiny that you haven't yet walked into. And this morning you want to say, God, give me that next step. Whatever the next step is, I'm desperate for you. Is there anyone like that this morning? Would you mind just raising your hand? I'm with you. I'm like, I want to cross the Jordan into a greater inheritance. Thank you, Jesus, right now. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you speak to your people? Right now, give them the next step. Give them the next step. Give them the next step. As Pravin just leads us in the song, could you cry out, God, I believe in you. God, I believe in you right now. Thank you, Jesus.